When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and him, Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Uh, We are recording at 4.47 on Wednesday afternoon because Kieran has a theatre appointment uh, and I am literally half an hour ago got back from Accrington where, Kieran, we had a delightful time. Yes, it was an absolutely fantastic experience. Um, Everybody made us so welcome. Andy Holt was was gold dust as far as you know as far as a, a, a guest was concerned funny engaging passionate um and, and what he's done there in, in terms of building facilities for the club which as he rightly points out you know can now be used on a regular basis to generate more money to help the club uh, to you know to maintain its position in league one hopefully push on a little bit further is is uh is, is the way should, the way it should be done you know patient sensible measured uh, but fa- yeah, fantastic venue. It, it, it is. It's just such a shame we can't repeat some of the things that Andy Holt said about Gary Neville in his interview, <laughs> uh, or indeed about several other people. Um, I remember about quarter past midnight, just as we were leaving, Andy was still in like, uh, quite deep conversation with somebody from the EFL, and I'm worried that we might have got him into trouble. Um, I'd like to thank Andy Holt for his hospitality and Dave and Karen as well um, and everybody that we met last night it was so nice to talk to you and thank you for the presents we got Berwick Rangers shirts we got Lego price of football us we got bottles of wine <laughs> yes. from, from Rochdale um, uh, my abiding memory though is the Baroness taunting me about the size of my overnight bag because so I've got this rather little <laughs> bijou <laughs> I've got this bijou early Dex's Midnight Runners type little bag and the, the Baroness said I've got handbags bigger than that She's certainly got handbags, plural, that's for sure. I say, I only, I'm, a, I'm a man, I only need another pair of pants and socks and a T-shirt and a half a bottle of wine in case of emergencies. You don't need a big bag for that. Also, I have to say, it's <laughs> when when I bought a pint uh, at the start of the evening and I, and I went, £2.50? She went, yeah, I'm sorry, it is quite expensive. So I said, £2.50? <laughs> No, I mean, I've, I, 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 I drink too much as it is where, where it's £7.50 a pint. Imagine living in a place where it's £2.50 a pint. But uh, it was a lovely evening, and we hope to have news very shortly of our next live pod. Uh, it's Newsday, uh, Kieran. We will have a couple of questions at the end because we did promise people last night. We didn't get around to all the questions <coughs> last night, so we do have a couple to add. But it's mainly Newsday. Um, but first, Kieran, you want to add somewhat to our list of wrongs. We did our top five wrongs last night and we added a late entry, but this is somebody you're particularly unimpressed with and their behaviour this weekend. Uh, yes, it's uh, Step Forward, Pete Winkleman at uh, MK Dons. Uh, the the second leg of the, the playoffs uh, for League One were taking place uh, against Wickham Wanderers. Now, 
you know, as we know, Adams Park is a small ground, uh, and they they fitted as many people in as they could. Um, MK Dons have a capacity of thirty thousand five hundred people for their stadium, and it's uh, yeah, I've, I've been there as an away fan. It's it it, it, it can be a, an enjoyable experience, uh, especially if you win. Um, but uh, Pete Winkleman said uh, initially, "Well, we only have to give you two thousand tickets." Uh, Wickham said, "Well, we'd like five thousand and he said, uh, "No, because you might you might create some noise, and uh, therefore you'll take away a wee bit of the home advantage." Now, I, I must confess, I, I find this approach spectacularly pathetic, especially if if we like look to see what's happened in respect to Wickham Wanderers. They they were promoted uh, two years ago to the championship, um, but the fans didn't see them get promoted because. COVID lockdown had just started, so they missed out on that. They had a full season in the championship, and they didn't get a chance to see their team play because, again, the, the, because of the the, uh, the consequences of COVID. Uh, and you know, as football fans, we, we accepted the uh, you know the, the, the rules um, and got on with it. So this this was an opportunity. Yeah, they've had a fantastic season un- under Gareth Ainsworth and. Uh, this was an opportunity for a, a large number of their fans to go and see a high-profile, exciting match. And uh, the degree of pettiness and snidiness from Pete Winkleman is uh, is utterly uh, bewildering because um, he only, he gave them 2,000 tickets and then sort of begrudgingly gave them an extra 200, but then stuck the Wickham fans in the upper tier. Mm. So if they were further away from the players and therefore you know their support could couldn't be heard as much um and he even split the the Wickham fan base into different sections so that they couldn't be sort of all united together so you know we we talk about uh you know fans being the uh most important people in the game and you know we, all of these clubs were saying oh, yeah well, well it, it is this is proof uh, you know uh, covid has proved that without fans football is nothing well, then, then let the fans go and watch the football. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, um, he's sort of cutting off his nose to spite his face as well because he's missed out on sort of three thousand extra fans worth of, of pints and pies, didn't he? And match day income. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just completely bewildered. So yeah, it, it is self defeating from a financial point of view. Um, MK Don's lost uh, overall so you know they're not going to get that money back so even with his pettiness uh it, it wasn't enough um but yeah you you do look for leadership uh you know andy holt when we were talking to him last night he said yeah when we've got big clubs who, who come to uh you know who, who come to the wham stadium in accrington it, it's great you know and, and we we welcome as many as we can and mm-hmm. it, it, it's the complete opposite uh that, that we're seeing at uh at, uh, at at MK Dons, yeah, and, and let's be honest, it, it's a club which which probably needs, would, well, it could benefit from making friends within the football yeah. community because there is still a uh, there is still a uh, a rump of fans who who don't like the way that the club has uh, effectively relocated the the golden share from from Wimbledon to um, is, is that somebody trying to break in? It's no, it's uh, it's next. It's it's our next door neighbours and their perpetual DIY quest to get themselves onto homes under the hammer. <laughs> um, I, I think it's more than a rump of fans, Kieran. I think you know, the response last night when we mentioned that Pete Winkleman is the owner of a club that shouldn't really exist indicates that it's, it's still a sore mm. spot for a lot of football fans. And as you say, uh, MK Dons could do with as much good PR 
uh, as they can get. We all know, having said that, they do do remarkable community stuff. So they are a club that is trying its best, but they're a club that occupies a strange place in the mentality of the, the supporters of every other club in the country. It was slightly odd at the end. I watched that game live and slightly odd at the end watching the shaggy-haired Gareth Ainsworth hugging the shaggy-haired Pete Winkleman. I thought for a moment, watching the big match revisited. My telly seems to have gone back to the 70s. It's really odd. Um, And talking of wrong-uns, Kieran, by an amazing coincidence, uh, one of the wrong-uns we talked about last night, who's very high on your list of wrong-uns historically, turns up in the news today. And that's one Lawrence Bassini, who you confidently predicted last night, was probably never going to get involved in football again. (laughs) Well, I confidently predicted he'd never be allowed to get involved with football. Well, now yeah, I hope he, yes, I'm yes. hoping the EFL will do the decent thing here. Um, for people not familiar uh, with Lawrence Bassini, with two S's, is he used to be known as Lawrence Bazzini with a Z or a Z uh, before he went bankrupt, and, and then, then he then he changed his name because hey, everybody deserves a second chance, which which I'm all in favour of. You know, taking risk in business. Sometimes things don't work out. I've got absolutely no issue with this. Um, but after yeah, going but bankrupt, can I, can I just interrupt you there? Because I, I absolutely agree. Everybody deserves a second chance, but he probably should have changed his name better. Then shouldn't he? He's, <laughs> yes. he's, he's left. He's left a little bit of a trail of crumbs there, isn't he? Really, it's not going to take a lot of <laughs> detective work to work out who could this Lawrence Bassini be. We haven't seen anything of Lawrence Bassini for a while, but this bloke's turned up. Lawrence Bassini can't have anything to do with him. Yes, so he used to be the owner of uh, Watford and uh, he then uh, ceased to be the owner of Watford and was subject to an EFL uh, three-year ban. And, and, and there's some there's some very colourful stories about mm. uh, at one point where he was demanding from the, the club secretary that, uh, that she should open the... Uh, opened the safe, which contained all the cash of the club uh, because it's my club and I can do what I want. And and she she stood up to him. Uh, The reasons why he needed that cash in such urgency, uh, we we won't discuss on the show because this is a football finance show and not a a show of other things. But uh, since then, he's... Although you were, he's you were quite, up. <laughs> yeah, you were quite happy to discuss it off mic last night with anybody who asked you, Kieran. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> no one was um, left speculating. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so since then, his his name has been linked with uh, Bolton Wanderers. Uh, when, when they had uh, financial troubles at the time, he said that David Sullivan uh, of West Ham would lend him £25 million to buy the club, but that didn't materialise. He's, he's popped up at Charlton. Uh, he has been linked with Birmingham City before. And then, lo and behold, in, in the last 24 hours, uh, there, there's an article in the Mail to say that uh, yeah, Birmingham is certainly up for sale. We, we are aware of that. Um, but uh, once again, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in, I'm, uh, and, and again, I'm going to borrow from David Sullivan uh, a £33 million loan on, on a £35 million purchase. So, yeah, that's that's quite heavily geared, shall we say, mm. uh, for a club which is uh, which is losing huge sums of money. Um, and and yeah, only, it only made money last year through the sale of, of Jude Bellingham. Um, but th- then the, the article in the paper uh intimated that if he failed to make uh, the repayments on the due date, 
And and as we know, David Sullivan is uh, is involved in a, an East London football club. Yeah. Um, so you know, Uncle Terry, even from you know underneath the. Uh, uh, underneath the concrete, his <laughs> his ears will be pricking up. You know, could 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 this be a job for Uncle T? Um, mm. In terms of collecting the repayments, it looks as if uh, if if this does go ahead, and I think it highly unlikely. Um, I did I did speak to a uh, a, a good source in the Midlands. Uh, I said, uh, yeah, "Do you think this goes going through?" To which his reply was bollocks, um, right. which sort of summed up summed up the position, but. Uh, and and he said that uh, uh, Bassini is is just desperate for publicity. Uh, so so I, I hope for Birmingham's sake. I don't I don't care how bad things are under the present owners, and I know there's bad feeling. You do not want Lawrence Bassini. Just just t- read the Charlton dossier if you want to read about Bassini. Mm-hmm. Talk to people at Bolton. Talk to people at Watford. Um, but David Sullivan used to be the owner of uh, Birmingham City. Uh, he sold the club for £81 million pounds to uh, a Hong Kong businessman called Carson Young, who subsequently ended up in jail for six years for money laundering. So it's a club with a uh, an entertaining history, to put it mildly. Um, there's, uh, there's somebody else uh, involved as an alternative bidder called Keith Harris. And I'm thinking, <laughs> not that Keith Harris. That <laughs> can't be, surely. Um yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think that's that one. But he, who has been involved with with sort of brokerages of clubs before? Um, so, so that's where we are with Birmingham. Um, you know, ultimately, it, it's up to the EFL to uh, look at whether an individual has 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 passed the the owners and directors test. Uh, but for the sake of football, uh, I, I hope either uh, this. This prospective deal proves to be a load of old nonsense, or the EFL uh, are able to to find sufficient evidence that that keeps Lawrence Bassini away from football because he is bad news. Um, there are there are many many stories from from very very many reputable people that I know in the sport which which do not reflect well on him. Uh, on the train on the way home from Preston this morning, I got several messages from uh, friends who Palace fans who monitor what Simon Jordan says on TalkSport and often send messages into TalkSport to remind TalkSport that Simon Jordan bankrupted Crystal Palace Football Club. But it seemed that Simon Jordan was saying that this is good news for Birmingham City fans, but only because it's almost inevitable that Bassini would not be able to repay the loan and the club would revert back to David Sullivan, and in which case Birmingham would be in safe hands, but the club couldn't revert back to David Sullivan, could it? And, And there will be people asking... It's a grey area, but how is it that one of the owners of West Ham United can put up the money for somebody else to buy Birmingham City? Well, because that's a loan arrangement, and therefore it, it does, wouldn't give David Sullivan any executive power in terms of uh, voting for right, okay. who would be the, the directors. Yeah, that, that's that's the legal position. Now, you know, if, if you owe somebody... Thirty-three million pounds, uh, and they suggest that you, uh, you you change the away shirt to to pink with orange spots. Lo and behold, the away shirt becomes pink with orange spots because mm-hmm. you owe him thirty-three million. But from a legal point of view, you don't have to do that. Um, th- th- I think there there could be consequences. Uh, I think we're we are probably aware that, uh, that there is a high chance that when the uh, 
when the period of profit share uh, ends, uh, and, and presently, if David sold David Gold and David Sullivan at West Ham, uh, if if they if they sell the club, I think it's after June twenty twenty three, they keep all the profits. Whereas before that, some of the profits go to the council. Um, we've we've seen Daniel Kretinsky come in from the Czech Republic uh, to buy a, a significant stake in the club. The rumours are that he's going to extend that and take a controlling interest. So. Um, there, there could be complications if if the two clubs met in a in a cup competition. Presently, they're not in the same division. Uh, they're not even in the same sort of jurisdiction because the EFL is independent of the Premier League. But uh, it, it, it's, it, you're absolutely right. It, it could get messy, um, and uh, you know the chance, chances of Lawrence Bassini, uh, based on his history, uh, being able to make the repayments um, would appear to be quite remote. Um, mm because he's, he's, he's not got a good track record, to put it mildly. Uh, some big news emerging on the Derby situation this week, Kieran, and some quite harsh words from the potential new buyer for the previous owner. Yes, so um, Chris Kirchner um, is the preferred bidder. His period of exclusivity uh, expired at the end of the season, so which was the, the 7th of May. Uh, and also the administrators uh, funding uh, you know they said they had enough money to to pay for the rest of the the 21 22 season now the, yeah that's ended as well so how are the wages at the end of may going to be paid yeah we, we are now sort of reaching squeaky bum time mm-hmm. um and you know that, that there there could be some loyalty bonuses for 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 players who who perhaps could have walked but decided to stay uh, for my understanding of talking to people uh, at derby um, so the the dispute is all to do with the stadium. Um, the stadium was sold uh, by uh, Derby County Football Club, in effect, to another company set up by Morris, the, the, the former owner. Um, he did not put the stadium company into administration, which has allowed him to perform the role of puppet master over the course of the last seven months. Um, every time we hear the administrators talk, they are sometimes critical of the EFL. They've been critical of Steve Gibson. They've been critical of Wigan Wanderers. They blamed COVID. They they've blamed uh, you know the system. Uh, the one person that they've not blamed is is, is Morris himself. Now, you know, that that's probably connected, or no, I won't say possibly connected, should we say, with the fact that their fees have to be agreed by the creditors, and the biggest creditor of Derby County is is Morris, who who you know, he has put money into the club, not denying that. Um, but uh, we, we now things are now starting to crystallise. Chris Kirchner um, doesn't particularly want to have any dealings with him, but he, I think he did have a meeting over the course of the weekend. Um, Morris wants twenty million pounds plus for the stadium because that will dig him out of a hole because money is owed to MSD Holdings, who are in for probably around about twenty four to twenty five million, um, and they've got personal guarantees from the former owner. I think what's what is likely to happen is that there's going to be pressure put on to Derby City Council uh, to buy the ground and then to lease it to Chris Kirchner. Um, you know, I, you know, presumably it would have to be at a fair market rent. Um, so uh, it, it, it's messy. Uh, you, you know, we, we had thought that, well, yeah, things have certainly been inching forwards, um, but uh, Chris Kirchner himself describes this as an en passe. Um, mm. and it, it's frustrating. 
uh, you know, Wayne Rooney and the rest of the management team have have got a big job on their hands over the course um, of the summer because they, they've effectively got to re, you know, rebuild from a skeleton position. Uh, and yeah, it's it's dragging on. The administrators' fees are continuing to drag on, of course, um, at, uh, at at some fairly healthy rates for them. So uh, yeah, it, it's it's not not as good as we we've been hoping for. Um, and uh, the administrators have granted a seven day extension to Chris Kirchner. If that expires next Saturday, what could then happen? Um, there are stories, and, and I've had these um, confirmed from, you know, again, people close to Derby, shall we say, um, that, that Mike Ashley has, has not given up interest um, and he could be an alternative to, to Chris Kirchner. Uh, I, I don't think he and Morris get on. I don't think anybody gets on with, with yeah. Morris, uh, apart from the people who decided to, to grant him a CBE. And uh, appoint him as the ambassador for business for Derby. Um, you know, the, the the ambassador for business who uh, has has stiffed a load of local suppliers by uh, yeah, buying goods and services from them and, and not paying for them. Um, so, yeah. so we're 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 in a messy position. We live in a strange old world, Kieran, and to nobody's surprise, UEFA have approved the proposed changes to the Champions League. Yes, they have, uh, but they have rode back on on a couple of things that that we've seen. Um, so this appears to be what has been agreed from twenty twenty four twenty five onwards. Um, we are going to move to a a Swiss style model where the the there are uh, thirty six clubs effectively split into two divisions, and uh, instead of playing ten games as was proposed, they're only going to play eight. Uh, you know, and, and we we asked the audience at the at the live show, uh, you know, how many of you want to see more group games in in the Champions League? And it, yeah, and the, and the response was you know, a universal raspberry. Uh, yeah, the Champions League is absolutely fantastic at at the end of the tournament, but the, the group games it tend to be uh, you know fairly tedious a lot of the time. Um, uh, so to be fair, to be, to be uh, fair Kieran. You were you were talking to a room full of mainly Accrington, Berry, and Sheffield Wednesday fans. <laughs> yes, that's true. It was slightly outside um, their area of interest. True. At at, at present, yeah, we are at we are football least, romantics. Remember, indeed. Um, but I, I thought what was what was interesting was that a sort of a compromise has been made with regards as to who's going to qualify for the extra four positions. Mm-hmm. Two are going to be given to to new new countries in effect, and then two are going to be given to instead of the clubs with the the best coefficients, it's going to be given to the country. With the best coefficients over the last over the last twelve months, so if England if English teams do spectacularly well, and uh, you know that they they and let's say they and Spain um, uh, have have the two best sets of results in in twenty one twenty two, which they which they probably would do, um, then the club finishing fifth in the Premier League would pick up one of those places, and, and the club finishing fifth in La Liga, but. That club, if that club was West Ham, 
now West Ham would be the beneficiary mm. if it was Wolverhampton Wanderers, if it was Palace. Mm. So, so that you know it is better than it just going to to Manchester United because they've got more likes on Instagram, which which was broadly uh, what what the other policy was. So it it, it is uh, it's it's not as 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 extreme as before. Um, at the same time, the the bigger clubs will be happy because I think this could become sort of embedded into football so that we end up with with five clubs from the Premier League. Uh, and we, we've said you know, that six into four doesn't go, um, seven into four doesn't go if Newcastle's wealth allows them to be competitive. But seven into five is, is preferable if you're a club owner's uh, if you're a club owner. Mm. One thing UEFA haven't rode back on, Kieran, is um, ticket prices for the Champions League final. And those Man City fans that are still upset, dismayed and astonished over what happened last week in the semi-final, maybe out console themselves with the fact that they are saving themselves a hell of a lot of money. Yes, the the official ticket prices, uh, and I I share an office uh, with my mate Chris, who is uh, yeah, he's Liverpool through and through, season ticket holder. He applied for a ticket, he didn't have any luck. Um, the official ticket prices are between sixty and six hundred and ninety euro, but th- there's not that many that were going for sixty euros. The, the vast majority of Liverpool fans are going to have to go and pay one hundred and twenty five pounds mm. or more, which which is a lot of money. Um, but only um, only fifteen thousand six hundred of those tickets are going to Liverpool and uh, Real Madrid. Um, the, some of the tickets are going in the general ballot, and uh, quite a lot of those tickets are going to the football family, i.e., mm. uh, UEFA's sponsors who mm. uh, will go there. And uh, uh, yeah, when 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 you're watching the match on the telly and, and you're wondering. Why, why? Why have people disappeared ten minutes before the end of halftime and and taken fifteen minutes to to wander out? It's those people who who are not football fans. They just happen to be sponsors and they're and they're there to schmooze their clients and so on. Mm. So you know, it, it's it's disappointing that uh, so few tickets uh, are going to fans. If you are thinking of going on to the the secondary market, um, I I. I would counsel against it um, because it's going to be very, very expensive. Um, I, I went on to some of the uh, the, the scalp, scalping websites uh, just before we recorded the show, and you know, I was being quoted three and a half thousand dollars for a, a sixty euro ticket. So wow. yeah, there, there's a lot of people there who are trying to 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 benefit from this. If you are a Liverpool fan. You know, I, I think they. I, I was at the uh, the 2018-2019 final, whatever it was, when Liverpool played Real Madrid before, and, and I watched it. I went to Anfield, mm. and they had the big screens, and it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, it was a shame about the result, but uh, you, you were still with fellow Liverpool fans. You, you got to saw get to see the game, or all the alternative is, is go to Paris and just go to one of the bars and watch it. But you know, p- paying paying these thieves three and a half thousand mm. euro. Uh, Dollars is is scandalous. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. 
In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. And the, the two clubs involved in that astonishing semi-final last week, Manchester City and Real Madrid, are involved in two astonishing transfer sums this week, aren't they? They are. And I think this is indicative of um, how power in football has switched to an extent um, away from the clubs and towards the players. So, so first of all, we, we've got we've got Haaland, Who's, whose transfer from uh, Dortmund to Manchester City has been confirmed. He, he, he has been banging them in for fun. Um, you would say his market value you know, must be close to that of Mbappe, but Manchester City have managed to acquire him for um, 60 million euro, which mm. is what, 51 million quid. So, you know, I, I, I've got some, uh, you know, as you know, I've lived most of my life in Manchester. Uh, some of the, some some on some of the WhatsApp groups uh, that I'm involved with, some of my my United uh, supporting friends have been baiting the City fans, saying, "Well, you know, you've this typical City City trying, you know, just trying to buy yourself some more trophies." Uh, to which the City fans have responded, "Well, hold on, it's less than you paid for uh, Sancho, Maguire, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pogba, and Fred." So, you know, and on. on on, on that basis, Haaland already looks like a bargain. Um, and, and the reason why the fee is relatively low is, is what we are seeing more and more often is that uh, if you are a young player and you're, you, you're moving to what you don't consider to be, should we say, your, your destination club, that your your representatives will put clauses into contracts, which will give you if you if you deliver, um, give you a, a buyout, which which uh, makes you uh, a potential beneficiary in the sense that City are saving a lot of money by buying Haaland for for sixty million euro, and therefore that that extra money that they've saved will potentially go into his wages. So there have been talk about the level of his remuneration. Um, again, you know, we we we, we hear a lot of rumours, but I, I don't think City are going to break their uh, their pay structure for him. He will be extremely well paid, and he will be extremely well incentivised. Although Manchester City. Uh, as, as far as I'm aware, aren't one of those clubs that give uh, that give bonuses for scoring goals or assists because they say you know, it, it's a team sport and uh, you know we, we we give we give bonuses to the team for achievements rather than individuals. Mm. And the Rudiger one to Real Madrid. Yes, yeah, and it, this is uh, this is one of the consequences of the. Um, the sanctions against Chelsea Football Club, they are not allowed to negotiate new contracts with existing members of staff. So uh, R- Rudiger's uh, uh, contract expires on the 30th of June. Um, again, if you, yeah, if, if, you, if, you, if you read, and we do read the press and, and we, you know, we talk to people in the game, um, it, he, he quite liked living in London. Uh, he was more than happy to, uh, you know, certainly consider a, a four-year contract. But uh, Chelsea are not in a position to offer him a contract because 
you know the the, the license for which the the club can carry on trading expires on the thirty first of May. So yeah, we are twenty days away from that, and uh, yeah, people are assuming that the Todd Bowley Group is is going to successfully put through the deal. But uh, they are they are not in a position to formally offer a contract to staff uh, or sign or sell players um, un- until the government uh, removes that uh, th- those restrictions or uh, you know uh, Roman Abramovich's shares are no longer under his control, which would be the case if if the Bowley Group takes over. Yeah, there's one group of people I feel quite sorry for in the Erling Haaland transfer to Man City, and that's the. The poor sods at BBC and Sky are going to have to try and interview him post-match because he does not like being interviewed <laughs> post-match. He's a surly little fella, isn't he? He just, he just before he refuses to answer the question, he just gives his big sigh and looks at them as though they've asked him the most stupid thing he's ever heard in his life. So I look forward to seeing that. Redbird Capital Partners, Kieran, are the US investment firm with a minority stake in Liverpool and they are reportedly interested in buying AC Milan. Yes, so, so Redbird Capital own ten percent of Fenway Sports Group, who in turn own uh, Liverpool Football Club, and uh, yeah, they've done spectacularly well. They 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 bought the club. Uh, Fenway bought the club for three hundred million just over a decade ago. Uh, they could easily sell it. If, if Chelsea are worth two and a half billion, then then why? You know, surely Liverpool must be worth the same. They've got a bigger stadium, bigger fan base. Um. Probably the sexiest club in 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 the world at present. Yeah, they, they, as far as the brand is concerned. So lots lots of positives there, um, and it looks like uh, Redbird are doing battle with another company called Investcor to take over Milan, um, and the current asking price for for Milan is one point one billion euro. Um, the reason why Redbird are deemed to be the in the box seat here is that uh, I think they're going to be paying cash as opposed to borrowing to acquire the deal. And, and I think that will be preferable to to all of the parties. So it, it's indicative of further US investment into um, European football because the, 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 the long-held perception by these investors is that, that football here is is undervalued because they're constantly comparing it to the value of of US sports franchises, which which are slightly different beasts in my view. Well, from the sexiest club in the world, Kieran, to the second sexiest, and Crystal Palace have announced that financial services provider Makuru is their new sleeve sponsor, and that's not long after announcing with a great fanfare their new new sleeve sponsor at the start of the season. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, this is a this is a company that's involved in uh, money transfer, mainly in Africa, and um, yeah, you know, I, I've. I've had the the pleasure of teaching in Africa and also uh, going on holiday there and and the banking system especially in rural areas is very different to what we're used to so so money transfer um is 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 something which which uh, people there have really embraced um you know the use of apps the use of smartphones so so this is uh, one of the one of the larger organizations i think it's based in zimbabwe um they, they said they want to partner with palace because you know you've got zaha ivory coast uh, mm. io schlup coyote um so so you know many of the players have got history and heritage there um and, and have got links um and in terms of the value um, I, you know, I know the the asking price, and I, they might have got this. The asking price for, should we say, for the the non 
uh, the non-big six clubs is is uh, is now around about uh, a million pounds for uh, for an, an annual sleeve sponsorship. They don't always get it. They they, they, they try their best. Um, uh, apparently, Newcastle United are asking for seven and a half million for sleeve sponsorship for next wow. season, which I think will be a, an, an interesting first case study mm. for the Premier League fair value uh, assessors. Uh, yeah, I think Manchester United get uh, twenty million from uh, Cola. Uh, I think I think uh, Liverpool are on at least ten million um, from I think it's Expedia and, and so on. So so you know th- th- these these sponsorships are are lucrative. Does this mean that clubs are now going to start to find other parts of the kit on which yeah. they can also you know sew patches? Um, because it, it's it's an opportunity to make money. You know, if, if we take a look at, uh, uh, you know, I think sort of Aussie rules and and, and rugby league and so on. You know, practically uh, every inch of of the players' kit is is sponsored. Uh, we, we see similar in Formula One. Um, so you know, there, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. I, I think for, for for old school romantics like you or I, we'd say, well, if that's what the clubs want to do, that's fine. Any chance of doing the kit without any of that on, uh, and, and we'd be far happier. Yeah, there is something wrong with it, Kieran. You only have to look at uh, football kits in France to see what's wrong with it. There's more sponsor than kit, uh, and it's not. You, yes. you say you say Palace asked for a million. Is that what they got? Um, we d- we don't know. Yeah, well, oh, I, okay, I'm, right, I'm aware right. that that is the going rate, but uh, I think I think it will be. Uh, you know, I think Palace are in a strong position. Um, you know, that they they've. they've as, as, as I'll say this through gritted teeth, you play good football this season, and, and it's mm. and it's enjoyable to watch as as a neutral. Yeah, and I'm not a neutral. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll just leave a pause there while you wait for me to say something nice about Brighton. No, 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 anyway. no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> uh, one more news story here before we catch up with a couple of questions from last night, and it involves Peterborough United, who are going to issue a bond to fans which will pay 9% interest, uh, but also a 15% bonus if they are promoted to the championship. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's say, first of all, we, we are not financial advisors. We are not equipped. Um, and uh, what, what are you doing by buying this bond? A bond is an IOU. So Peterborough, uh, what, what they've done is they said to fans, if you put in a minimum of £500, um, we will pay you back that money in uh, in five years' time, but in addition to that, each year we are going to pay you nine percent interest. And uh, you know, as you rightly said, there'll be a fifteen percent cash bonus should the club be promoted during that period. So yeah, that that does sound on the face of it uh, very attractive. It must be stressed this is an unsecured loan. Um, so you know, the buyer bewares. You know, the person lending the money. Uh, should should be aware of that. I'm I'm not saying whether it's good or bad. I'm I'm not even going to say whether I'm going to buy it uh, or not. Um, uh, but what Peter have also done is is they've offered perks to fans. So um, you know they, they they vary from lapel badges. Uh, if you put in more than a thousand pounds, I think if you put in twenty thousand pounds, you appear in next season's team photo. Uh, which, which, you know, and if anybody's ever wanted to sit close to, to Barry Fry, you know, twenty grand buys, buys you that opportunity. Um, and, and they they promised the money is is going into infrastructure. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to be going into uh, you know into buying sunbeds for the directors to to make themselves look uh, gleamingly uh, smart and so on. 
so it, it's it's an interesting one. We've seen similar from Norwich and QPR and Wimbledon. Uh, it, it does look as if clubs are now starting to innovate and uh, to, to to go down alternative routes. You know, if the clubs feel it's cheaper than borrowing from uh, more corporate lenders where perhaps they would have to give some some greater security, you can see why they've done it. Uh, and it, you know, it's certainly more money than you can get from sticking in an ISA. But with an ISA, you, you do have the guarantee of uh, you know of, of protection from from legislation in effect. Hey, you remember, Kieran? We talked earlier in the pod about the the ghost of Uncle Terry and his ears pricking up. I, I think if Uncle <laughs> Terry, if Uncle Terry was still alive and living in the Peterborough area, he'd be only too pleased to see people with lapel badges and their picture in the programme, identifying them as people wealthy enough to bung in a load of money to a football club. <laughs> they might as well put their postcode and what time, what times they're out of the house. <laughs> Um, let, let's get through. We, we did promise last night we had so many questions last night and we simply didn't have time to get um, through all of them um, the, so we said we'd catch up with a couple and they're all good questions but the first one comes from Dave Coyle and Dave's question is will stadium infrastructure criteria for promotion up the pyramid become more stringent and then in brackets says I guess we need to protect against Icarus syndrome somehow which I, the reason I'm interested in this question is we had a couple of people take us to task about looking forward and hoping that Luton might get into the Premier League. And a couple of people said, well, no, they shouldn't get into the Premier League because they they can't get enough away fans in there. So therefore, a club that size shouldn't be allowed in. And this idea of Icarus syndrome somehow suggests that you should be discouraging some teams, Accrington Stanley, for example, from even trying to get into the Championship because they won't have enough room to put away fans in. I'm, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. No, no, because, you know, you should be promoted upon your, based on your achievements on the, on the field of play. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had Bournemouth uh, who have, who were promoted to the, the Premier League in, what was it, 2013, 2014? Yeah, they, they had a good six or seven years there. They've just been promoted back there. They've got a ground with a capacity of 11,000. You and I uh, again, are old enough going back many years to remember Southampton playing at the Dell. Yeah. And uh, I remember the first, yeah, the Dell, it, it held 15,000 people. Mm. Uh, and and those were the days when, um, you know, there wasn't TV money coming in, but they, they, they got there on merit and they stayed there on merit. And I've got nothing but admiration for that. So, um, there are certain infrastructure criteria that have to be satisfied, and we discussed these, I think, on the show um, last last Monday in terms of being compliant for the media in the main, in terms of uh, you know the the thickness of of the wires, uh, the the size of the the press box, uh, catering facilities, and so on. But in terms of seats, um, th- th- those are the rules, and. Yeah, you know, if, if if there if there is a bun fight for away tickets, then then you know, unfortunately it it's just part of the game. If if Luton get promoted, um, and I'll be absolutely delighted if they did. I think it'll be a fantastic story for a club that was remember it was docked thirty points. It ended up yeah. in the national league. It's come back. Uh, you know, we we've had uh, we, we've had their chief executive Gary Sweet on the show, and and he again he was very similar to Andy in that 
I'm not going to gamble. Yeah, this is a club I support. I'm not going to gamble with its future. Mm. But we, what, we, what we do have is is a, is a sensible, progressive, measured uh, approach to to recruitment and retention of players. Their their wage budget is is tiny compared to other clubs. Um, I, I think it would be a hell of an achievement. But to, to then turn around and say, yeah, patronizingly pat them on the head and say, oh, well done, guys, but you're not coming up to the Premier League. You're not big enough. I think would be an awful sign. And uh, yeah, even if they're just there for one season, and yeah, you know, and I genuinely hope that they're not, but uh, uh, that then then let, let the Luton fans have the opportunity to see to see their team in the Premier League against all these these giants of football. And if it's tougher for the away fans, well, yeah, we, we've just got to go and we've just got to go and suck it up. I, I suppose that there will be quite a few people who agree with Dave Coyle in, in this idea of protecting against Icarus syndrome. It, it, it's it's like protecting the fans of those clubs who overreach themselves to try and get into the, the the Premier League. But then every club has got the right to to try and get in the Premier League, and and it's it's up to other organisations to make sure they do it responsibly, isn't it? Yeah, and and Luton have not overreached themselves. By gambling yeah, with the future yeah, yeah. of the club, yeah, um, yeah, yeah that that's that's that type of Icarus syndrome. That, that, that's why we have that's why we have financial fair play to to stop uh, new owners coming in thinking that they can simply spaff money in a site you know, on a bunch of big name players to to get themselves promoted and, and and reap the rewards. So so there there are some checks and balances, but they are all to do with the financial sustainability of the club as opposed to the capacity. Yeah, you know, what what happens if you if you if you just recruited a bunch of really good players and they've mm. played fantastic and they've got you promoted? Well, why shouldn't those players? You know, because also you know we we think about things purely through the eyes of fans. If you talk to footballers that they're all football fans as well. And if I was a Luton Town football player, to be denied the ability, to be denied, denied the opportunity to play against you know, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, but to be denied the the opportunity to go to Anfield and, and Old Trafford. And you might ha- this might be your, your one opportunity in your career um, because you, you know, it, you're your your ground is 500 short in terms of the minimum capacity for the Premier League or whatever the rules are going to introduce. I, I just think it's, it's really harsh. Mm. <clears throat> Our next question comes from Mark. Just Mark. Uh, no, it sounds like his name's Mark. Just Mark, doesn't it? No, his name just Mark. <laughs> and I, I wish I'd got around to asking this question last night because we did have a couple of people from the EFL at the live show who I hasten to have bought their own tickets uh, and came along. Um You'll know enough about producer guy by now that no one gets a comp, whoever they are. Um, but Mark's question, with their existing powers, what can the EFL actually do to stop wrongans like Matt Southall getting control of clubs like Rochdale via front companies such as Morton House? Um, well, uh, as as part of the, the, the rules of the EFL, the ultimate beneficiaries – have to be uh, disclosed. Now, the ultimate beneficiaries is that although somebody might be using a front company, you then say, well, who are the directors of that company? If, if that's another company, what we try to do is, is that we go through the crumb trail until eventually we find an individual or a group of individuals who are, are the, the shareholders. Now, can that be circumvented? Well, well yes, it can. Because uh, shareholders uh, are, are one thing. The, the other way of uh, putting money into an organisation is through debt. And, and we were discussing this earlier when we spoke about 
uh, uh, David Sullivan and uh, and Lawrence Bassini in, in respect of of uh, uh, Birmingham City. Um, and I think we can we can probably name at least one club in the uh, in the Premier League where uh, we've got a nominal owner. But lots of people think, hmm, I, I think there's, I think there's somebody behind the throne. I, th- I think somebody's pulling his strings on this. Uh, but it's difficult to prove from a legal perspective. So, so the EFL does have powers. It, uh, and as far as the owners and directors test is concerned, it will say to the prospective owner, A, do you have money to buy the club? And B, can you evidence that you've got sufficient money to run the club for, for the next couple of years? Um, so, so that's the, that's the due process that they have to go through. Um, can it be circumvented? Yes, it can. Unfortunately, um, and 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 we've said you know, we saw this at, uh, at Wigan uh, in terms of the the way that the system was abused. But uh, yeah, there are there are some checks and balances there. Um, it doesn't matter what rules we have, um, and you know, I'm I'm in favour of the independent regulator, but the independent regulator is not going to prevent the likes of Matt Southall. What we're going to try to do is to make it more difficult for them to 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 get involved, and, and hopefully, and it's a terrible thing to say, hopefully they'll they'll just bugger off and they'll go and find another in, another industry on which to uh, you know abuse because uh, you know football football is just becomes too awkward for them uh, so, so that that's where we are it's it, it's a tricky job the EFL are in an awkward position because people I think still fall into this trap thinking that you know the, the people at the EFL make up the rules they don't mm. they are the administrators they are not the executive it, it is the club owners who vote on the, the the rules in terms of to whom can they sell the club and there's an element of turkeys not voting for christmas if you make the rules really difficult for somebody to buy a football club and you're an existing club owner you think hold on you know a couple of years time i, I was thinking about you know i'm thinking of sacking this off and now who's going to go i'm going to struggle to find somebody to buy it from me so why make the rules so difficult that you can't actually sell the club hmm. Kieran, I'm going to make this next one our last question. I'll save the others for Monday's pub because there is the mother and father of all thunderstorms heading towards my house, uh, (laughs) which I I think might uh, affect our reception. Um, We had a lot of Sheffield Wednesday fans here, and we we spoke to them about the situation at Sheffield Wednesday, and I thought it was only fair to let Sheffield Wednesday fans across the globe listening to the pod know what you felt. And this, so this question comes from Miles Hush, and it's typical of what Sheffield Wednesday fans were asking us. And basically it's how will um, Monday's defeat for the Owls in the playoffs impact on the already poor finances at Hillsborough? Um. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we did meet a, a, few, uh, a few a few Wednesday arch yesterday, and, and you, you can understand there. They're they're sort of somewhat depressed there because losing in the playoffs is is a, is such a kick in the teeth. Um, Wednesday have been losing half a million pounds a week for for too long, and and that's uh, that, that's that's a real challenge. Um, that they are reliant upon Delphon Chancery, the owner, to to subsidise those losses. Um, the, the biggest issue in terms of having another season in League One is that you are automatically £6 million down on day one in terms of TV money alone uh, from from being in the championship. Um, 
so it, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough division to get out of next season because you know, Derby County have been relegated. You've still got Ipswich there. Um, you, you know, you're going to have one of Sunderland and Wickham there as well. And you know, Sunderland are are you know without doubt a, a massive club. Um, Wickham are a really astute club in, in the way that they are run. And I think they've got a management and a coaching uh, system, which, which makes them really competitive. Um, so, so there's no, there's no guarantee of Wednesday getting out next year. Um, and, you know, the likes of Portsmouth and so on will be wanting to push on as well. So um, it, it's going to be tough. I think they're going to have to uh, look at the, the wage budget for next season because uh they they still have some players on championship wages in League One, and under the rules, uh, it, it's you you shouldn't really be spending more than sixty percent of your your revenue uh, on on wages. And at present, Sheffield Wednesday are considerably higher than that. So uh, uh, a, a, a season of retrenchment, I think it will be next season. Yeah, uh, uh, Kira, I'm definitely going to make that the last question because uh, smudge. It's her dinner time. Get off the keyboard. I know it's dinner time. <laughs> Jesus Christ, there's wet cat prints all over the place now. Uh, how's Finley, by the way? Is he all right being looked after by a babysitter last night? Yes, yeah, he's... he's uh, we, we've had various photographs of him uh, sort of in, in <laughs> ponds and God knows what else, looking, looking suitably relaxed. <laughs> um, thank you to everybody who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join them, and make a small monthly contribution to our always free-to-air pod, and that would be very kind of you. And you can go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, thanks, thanks everybody, for coming. Yesterday, I'd just like to reiterate what, what Kevin said and uh, the hospitality we had from from everybody at Accrington Stanley just, just blew our socks off. And what, what a fantastic place. And, and we wish you nothing but um, nothing but good in the future. Um, uh, if, if you want to support the club, so if you want to support the pod through through Patreon, that, that's one vehicle of doing so. Um, that, that that's that's absolutely fantastic, and uh, you you get our undying love, uh, and it's anything we can do for you. Uh, if, if, if only everybody needs a spreadsheet number or two, you know you know who to contact. <laughs> don't you? Uh, if, if you're a Patreon members, um, you you can also uh, show us uh, some support by uh, going onto the uh, going onto your podcast app. And uh, just uh, just giving us a, a, a bit of good karma. Uh, if you can give us a review, give us five stars. That will be uh, that will be absolutely fantastic. It, it doesn't doesn't matter what you say. Um, you you could you could even say you'd rather have the show presented by Andy Holt and Tracy Crouch, who possibly are my two favourite people on the planet at present. And and, and I I subscribe to that like like a shot. And uh, and I think we could have the biggest love in in the history of football finance. Oh, my God. How unnecessary would I become in your life if Andy Holt and Tracy Crouch were in it as well? Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. The price of football.
the price of football.